In the first lesson, the builders of the Tower of Babel tried to make a name for themselves by building their tower to the heavens. God scatters them, confusing their language so that they cannot understand one another. The miracle at Pentecost reverses this story, drawing many different peoples together into the new people of God. The first reading is from the 11th chapter of Genesis, verses 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had for us many bricks, no, they had for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, with the children of man and had built that had they had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. And they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not know or understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, surrounded by the signs of fire, wind, and a variety of language in their midst, the people were amazed and astonished at Jesus' promise coming true. The second reading for Pentecost is from Acts, the second chapter. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in in his own native tongue? Paratheans and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, 
Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and excuse me, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in their own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are all filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be God, shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, prophesy, and your, me, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be served, saved. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Not let, do, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the gospel of our Lord. I'm going to start off with this really simple question, so don't think that I'm asking any like trick questions or anything. It's just really simple stuff. Um, here it is. 
Take a look at this. I'm not going to hold on to right now, but just take a look at this. Front, sides, back, right? Front, sides, back. Everybody else? Front, sides, back. If you were to guess what this is, what would you guess it is? Pretty simple. Flashlight. Say it with confidence. It's a flashlight, right? Right? Well, now, what makes you think this is a flashlight? What's the distinguishing characteristics of this thing that lets you think that it's a flashlight? The shape, yeah, a lot of flashlights come in this shape. What else? A button in the back. Normally you have some sort of power on and off kind of a button. What else makes it a flashlight? There's kind of like glass and maybe a bulb in the front, right? So there's some characteristics to this, right? Make it a flashlight. Go ahead and turn it on. Is, is, it, is it flashy lighting? No, right? Do you, put, do you try, try to make that thing? Come on. Button. All right, you push the button, and there's, no, there's nothing happening, all right? So, if you push the button, and there's no light, then what do you call this? The piece of junk. Good answer. I mean, it's useless. I mean, it, well, I can't say it's not useless, but right now, it is not a flashlight. It might look like a flashlight. It might give you the characteristics of some of the flashlight. But what makes a flashlight a flashlight is this capacity to make light. And there is no light. Right? Looks like one, feels like one, but it's not one. It's not a flashlight. All right, so figure it out. Why is it not working? What, what makes it dead? Check it out. How, how, if that was your flashlight and you wanted to try to make it act like a flashlight, what would you try doing? What would you check first? Batteries. batteries. Can you check battery? You got some assistance from the ladies on the other side. They're like beyond eager. <laughs> the other side. Twist that side off. I'm giving you a hint. Now, what's on the inside? Just a what? A piece of paper, right? So if you have a flashlight that's jammed with a piece of paper, you think that's going to cause a problem? Right? This isn't your source of power. This isn't your source of energy, right? That's just a piece of paper. That doesn't help. All right, so let me change pockets. Can't get into my dress. All right, got a battery. That side goes down. Try to put that together and see if you can't make this thing. All right, and push the button, see what happens. Simple stuff. Oh, wait. Stand up. Show everybody what you got. Just fully blasting in their eyes. Whoa, yay. All right, so now we have something that looks like a flashlight and actually something that works like a flashlight, right? It actually puts, it's kind of bright. Now i got spots in my eyes. All right, so thinking about this, Jesus often used simple things in life to try to make some profound teaching moments, right? He used things about shepherds. He used things about sheep. He had talking about seeds and farmers and, and houses in sand and houses on stones, a lot of different examples, all right? So today's the birthday of the church, and we're using this as an example. Today we remember as a church that God the Father sends the Holy Spirit into people and we become the church. Now, if you have people without the Holy Spirit, they're not making light. They're not the church, right? And there's a couple of challenges to that. If the people are filling their lives with stuff like paper, money, 
all kinds of hobbies, all kinds of addictions, bad beverages, bad foods, bad chemicals, bad activities, things that do not make God energy. If they're packing that battery space with all this dark stuff, it's not going to shine. It didn't shine. But when you put God's stuff in there, when you ask the Holy Spirit to come in, and when you fill your life with things like worship and prayer and reading God's word, and the sacraments, all these ways that God comes to us, now you've got a battery on the inside, and you can shine with brightness, not just dark, right? That's a lesson for us. The birthday of the church. Today we remember that with the Holy Spirit's help, you get to hear the good news. You get to know that God loves, and that God sent His Son, Jesus, that you're forgiven, and that you're renewed in Jesus, and He's going to give you the Spirit to help you to believe that and to live that. So we receive that today as a church. But the other part of it is, is we're also called to shine. All right? If God made you and gave you everything so you can be a flashlight that works, then be a flashlight that works. Be a Christian. Shine your Heavenly Father. When the world sees you, they just don't see something that's taking up space. They see the light of God. Right? If you're going to call yourself a Christian, shine like a Christian. Make sense? All right, let's say a prayer. Say, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, remove the junk from our lives and fill us with your word. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and make us shine bright for you in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your help, guys. You guys get to ponder that little lesson later on during the week, rest of your life. God made you this physical object, this flesh. We're just the matter of the earth. When we die, the water goes, the dirt goes back to the dirt, and we just return to the earth. So we're made like that. But what's on the inside sets us apart. And we're called to have the Spirit of God. We're called to have the life of God. We're called to engage in the things that recharge these batteries, right? Recharge us so that we can be light to the world around us. So that they see us. They don't see an inanimate object that if it doesn't work, you just discard it. That they see something that shines bright for the Lord. And that darkness will not overcome this. That's a huge lesson for us as a church. Now, something else that was coming to mind with this when we got to the Bible lessons today, um, and it was with me most of this week, if-then statements. How do you respond to if-then statements? If you do this, then this. When people tell you that, is it generally in a positive setting? Right? I remember my sister, if you do this, then this is, I mean, we were like at a war sometimes over the last piece of chocolate cake. Right? And if I ate it, I was going to get in trouble. If you do this, then I'm telling. Right? If then. It was most of the time not a very positive experience with this if then clause. And there's a whole lot of if then in the in the Bible lesson or the gospel lesson today. If then you might not hear the then, but the if is there, and it's almost by default included. If even if you don't say then, it's there, right? It is. So Jesus says, If you love me, then keep my commandments. If you love me, if you love me, my father will love you. If you love me, then you'll keep my word. If you love me, 
If you, and if you don't love me, then you won't keep my word. That's all implied in the gospel lesson. Those are his words, if and then. And up to this point, it's one level, but now he adds a whole nother point. It's if, then, and. <laughs> and he says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I'll ask the Father and he will send the Holy Spirit. All those ands don't happen if you don't meet the first condition of the if. If you love me, you will keep my words and the Father will love you. When you reread chapter 14, listen for the if-thens. Listen to the if-thens. And if you're anything like me, you might be uncomfortable with them. I am. I confess it. Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe the pastors are supposed to be this and this. I'm so ready with God's joy. I never have any uncomfort. That's not true for me. I'm not comfortable because I don't, I, although I have some abilities and some capacities, I also know that I mess things up. I fail. Um, I might have some successes. I also know my motives. Sometimes I might do good things and I don't have good motives. Sometimes I do things because I want to be recognized. Sometimes I do good things because I want something good in return. I'm just a person. I can, I'm, maybe you say the same things. Maybe you don't want to say it, but you know it. There's a lot of manipulation that we have, even in our doing, doing good things. And since I know this, and I know that's a part of a sinful thing, I have serious doubts about me ever um, taking care of the if-then requirement, if, particularly if it has to do with perfection. If God's requiring perfection with this if-then scenario, I have no chance. He's perfect, and I'm not, and I'm in trouble. So then I started looking at this if-then and looking at the components. Some of the components were has to do with the word love and another one has to do with command and another one has to do with works and, and word. And so I looked into this further. Okay, so now maybe I can find some peace and comfort as I, if I look forward to it. Maybe it's not so scary, right? So I looked at in the, in the same book, John chapter 6. The disciples are asking about the same thing when they look at this. They're saying to Jesus, Jesus, what must we do in order to do the work of God. Like, Lord, what is the work of God? Can you tell us? Because we'd really like, we would like to do that. If there's an if-then clause, and if we have to do your work, please tell us what that work is so that we get to the then part, which is the love of God and all this other good stuff. And so Jesus tells him this is an answer. He says, this is the work of God. Are you ready? That you believe in him whom he sent. Period. What, what must we do to, to, to do the work of God? Jesus' answer, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. I'm thinking, yeah, I got that part. Right? I think almost everybody in here thinks, I can believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary and suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified. We've got that part. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, I know it's a gift of the Spirit that I can say that and believe it, but I can say that I believe it. I might be like the guy who says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I, I know I'm that guy. You're probably that person as well, man, woman, or child. We just, Lord, we believe you can help our unbelief, but at least we got belief. So at least that if then we're golden. I, we can say we believe, so we're fairly good. But how about the next one? The commandment part, right? So we got the first part, you got to believe. And then Jesus says this, this is my commandment, says Jesus, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Oh my. I read about the sacrificial love of Jesus. I read about the pure love Jesus had for his family. 
for the people he just met anywhere he went. He just loved them. I saw his love even for those who were after him and were plaguing him. And contrary to everything he spoke and every agenda he was trying to achieve and every goal he had, there were people that were direct opposition to Jesus from the time he stepped foot on this planet's mission project. And he loved them. He even loved the ones that drove the spikes. He was loving the ones who were whipping him and peeling his flesh off. He was loving the ones that were punching him in the face and telling him to be quiet. He loved the world in perfection. And he says in this commandment, in the if-then part, that you and I are to love like Jesus loves. I have no chance. I'd like to. I mean, genuinely, I would like to. I would like to love like Jesus loves. I wish I could love that way as a, as a father and as a husband and as a pastor. But I don't. I fail. If then, I fail that commandment. So then I keep looking, looking for some other stuff. And then, before we get to this next piece, we kind of fun. Um, if you're to get, try to guess, and it has to do with love, love like I love, which book in the Bible is the word love used most? Think about it just for about two, three seconds. Which book in the Bible would you guess has the word love used most? Which book? Okay, so one, two, three. Start giving the answers. Corinthians. John. Keep coming. There's a lot of books. Keep guessing. What other books in the Bible are there that might have a lot of love in them? Psalms. Oh, we'll just pause right there because we can spend 20 minutes talking about that part. And we've got other stuff to do today. So the book of Psalms, 150 Psalms. Just by volume of material, you would think that they could have a lot of love in there. And there's 160 times love is mentioned in the book of Psalms. All right? The number two on this category, which book talks about love the most? Number two, I'll give you a hint. It's right next to the book of Psalms. One more book past Psalms. Proverbs. Yeah, 30 Proverbs, but it's mentioned like 31 times in the book of Proverbs. So God loved Proverbs because there's a lot of love in the Proverbs. Third place. Gosh, it's right next to this. We just go. What's the next one in line? Psalms, Proverbs, Songs of Solomon. Songs of Solomon, 29 times love. In fourth place, John's Gospel. Of all the New Testament books, this book, the apostle who Jesus loved, the apostle who loved Jesus, the one who was there, who Jesus entrusts his mother to at the end, the one who's writing these words for us, the one who gave us revelation, who wrote the other book of John's, the other three. The most time, 26 times he uses the word love. In fact, in his book, 1 John, 26 times in there as well. And that's only five chapters. He blows that volume up with the theme to love. And we just flippantly say this to people. We can say it to strangers walking down the street. Love you, man. What are you saying? A lot of people throw that word out lightly and they're not even paying attention to how they use it. I wasn't raised to say it unless you absolutely meant it. And so it's challenging for me to say, love you, when it's like saying, hello. John says it in two of his books 52 times, to love. So what Jesus does and what he tells his his followers, you and me, to do, love. Now with that in mind, keeping the commandments has to do with love. This is a beautiful thing. Keep. If I was to try to ask you to keep a commandment, how would you describe that? Don't worry, I don't think it's rhetorical. Just think in your mind. So don't have to ask for the answers out loud. But if I was to say you have to keep the commandments, what kind of what would does that look like to you? If I say you have to keep the commandments, if I it's would it be similar to obey? 
Right? You have to keep the speed limit. You have to obey the speed limit. You have to keep the commands. You have to do them. It's a have to. It's a should do. It's an ought to. And if you don't, there's a, there's a punishment potentially involved. You have to keep a command. In our world, that's what we kind of bring to this sometimes. You have to keep a command. The Greek word, word is entirely different. And that's what we got to go to today. So at least on the search, we got some good news. Here's the Greek word. It's terero, T-E-R-E-R-O. It's not about rewards and punishments and have-tos. The Greek word to keep means this, to hold dear. Isn't that nice? To hold dear. Another variation is to consider important, to treasure. Torero means wanting to and loving to and longing to. It's about a heart. It's about a love. Even the commandments, it's about love. It's, you even change the word commandment. It's, it's just a love thing. It's not a have to. So in our world, we say keep commandments. Is keep the commandments of Jesus or else you're not loved by Jesus and the Father. Keep the commandments of Jesus or else you're not going to receive the Holy Spirit. And there can be like this looming threat over it with one way. But the New Testament and the Greek presentation of this is being inspired by the Holy Spirit that we want to love God. And we want to love like Jesus. That, that we are holding dear Jesus' request to be loved and to love like He loves. To hold it dear. It's not measured. And if you don't measure up, you fail. It's just love. Keep the commandments means hold dear the commandments. And if there's a recognition of selfishness, and if there's a recognition of sin, it's with grace. Yes, you have that going on. And yes, I know about it. Yes, you will not keep this perfectly. And it's okay, because that's why I went to the cross. Just hold me dear, best you can. And when you can't, I'll still hold you dear. That kind of world is a lot like heaven that Jesus is talking about. This world of the church. Where the Holy Spirit is filling us with power. Power so that we can love like God loves. That we can believe the good news. That His love is greater than anything we bring with failures. That He just loves us and He knows us and He loves us. To believe that good news. The gift of the Spirit. And with that love and with that good news. That we would strive to obey just because it's the right thing to do. Because we want to. Not because we have to. That we'll worship God on Sundays because we want to, not because we have to. There's no other place we'd rather be than in one of God's houses telling Him thank you for His love. And that during the week we would pray. And that during the week we'd want to learn more about His love. And that during the week we'd want to mentor others up in this love. That during the week we'd serve and we would give of all God's gifts. We would just share that. And then we'd invite everybody we know that has a pulse and a heart to come join us in this heavenly place. That's being the church. That's a Holy Spirit inspired place that we will shine. You know, back to this flashlight. That we'll shine God's way in truth and life. That when the world sees us, they won't see an inanimate object taking up space and material resources and time. And when they see us, they'll get a glimpse of the love and the light of God in Christ Jesus. Because in us, there's the Holy Spirit. 
God help us be that church. Let us declare our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Lord God, thank you for this day of Pentecost when we celebrate the coming of your promised Holy Spirit. We give thanks that you poured out your Spirit on the earth and fashioned men and women in your image to enjoy the wonders of nature you created. Send your Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of all who seek to be faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Gracious Heavenly Father, continue to rescue us from ourselves, our foolish ways, our lack of understanding of what it means to be your children. Make your Holy Spirit set our hearts on fire to know you and make you known to the world around us. May all praise and worship be yours and kindle in us the fire of your love. Holy Spirit of God, you call us to be a people of prayer. Hear our prayers for those who are near and dear to us and named in our prayer request. We pray for all who are brokenhearted and whose lives are wounded and those we name silently in our hearts. Give them confidence that you know their needs. Come, Holy Spirit, touch their bodies with healing, fill their hearts, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for calling your people together as Emmanuel Lutheran Church. Bless this congregation with a vision for the future and reverence for the past. Help us be creative. Help us be inspired and help us to be open to your will. Help us understand and see clearly the vision of what you want our congregation and its ministry to be. Continue to present opportunities for us to love and serve in your name. Help us to know you better and to make you known to those around us. Flood us with your Holy Spirit that we might have wisdom, courage, and strength to live and love as your ambassadors in our homes and our community. Into your hands, Heavenly Father, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.